0: Welcome to this podcast from Central, Jesus at the Heart. More information is available from www.jesusattheheart.org. I wonder if you you have a Bible, if you would turn to two places um, this evening. I want you to turn with your right hand to um, one of the letters that Paul writes, the apostle Paul writes, to his son in the faith, a guy called Timothy. So I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I also want you to turn with your left hand, although that seems quite random, to uh, Matthew's, uh, if if you have a computer or something, just do the flicky thing. But if you want to turn with your left hand, I want you to turn to Matthew's gospel in chapter 6, and we're going to take a look at what Jesus has to say about some of this Stuff. We're in the second week of a series that I've called Giveology, which I know isn't a word. But it's, it's all about how we posture ourselves towards stuff and money and finances. And uh, I, I happen to think that this is perhaps one of the seminal messages that I'm going to give this year. Because it's fundamentally important what you think about money. I'll tell you why. Because money has the opportunity to release you or to bind you, to free you or to suffocate you. Uh, money has the, the potential to be used to do immeasurable good, but it, has the, it also has the potential to keep you imprisoned in a way of living that will restrict the kingdom life in you. And so what we have to say today is it is actually about freedom. You know, And I know some of you come into church and you go, oh, goodness me, talking about money. I don't really want to hear about money. I want to hear about kind of theoretical things about how good God is. Well, Jesus talks about money more than he talks about anything else because he agrees with me <laughs> that it's really, really important to deal with this. Actually, I agree with him. And, uh, and last week, we talked about the fact that God owns everything which is kind of a no-brainer if you believe in God, the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things, that actually everything is his. And when everything is his, your posture is that you become a steward or a manager of God's stuff. And that's an incredible place to be. God, God gifts you and gives to you and pours things into your life and you just get to manage it and steward it and, 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 and use it and bless other people with it and it's an incredible way to live your life. And I said, hey, I'm not the person that's dealt with all this stuff. I'm not standing here from a position of saying, you know, I've got this, all, this, all this sorted. There's no problems. If you just take a look at my life, it's gonna be cool. No, there are things in my past and there are things in my present that mean sometimes I operate out of lack. What I mean by that is that sometimes when I get something, I want to hold on to it because I'm, I'm petrified that perhaps that thing won't come my way again because I don't really trust as much as I should. So the tendency for me is to grab at things and go, it's gonna be okay, and to say to God, I'm all in while holding this stuff behind this arm. If that makes any sense at all. I'm all in apart from this bit here, which I'm keeping as security. I also have things that I really like. Do you know, I, I said last week, sad as it is, I would really like a car with leather seats and that warmy bum thing. Do you know, it's weird. It's bizarre. A few years ago, I never knew there was a warmy bum thing, but now I've had the warmy bum thing. I just want the warmy bum thing, because that's, that's a weird thing to say. But I, that's, that's me. I also have shoe porn, I totally love shoes I want more shoes I want shoes that I don't need I want brown shoes and black I, I know I like, I like shoes so, so there's a whole bunch of stuff in my, I'd like a dog let's not go there but the stuff in my life that I, I want and I look at and think gosh I could, I could have that kind of stuff and I'm not beyond all of that stuff and God's still working in my life I'm going to say none of the things that I'm going to say this evening to restrict you don't think God wants to I think God wants to free you. I think God wants to free a generation of people to handle their finances really well. I think God wants to free a generation of people not to be uptight about the stuff they've got. I, want to, I think God wants to free a generation of people to be lavishly generous because they trust that God is a giver. And they understand that what God wants to do really with your life and my life is pour stuff into you because he knows he can trust you and then stuff flows out of you because you know that you can trust him. That would be an incredible way to live, wouldn't it? So I told you all that last week. What I didn't tell you was why I'm teaching this series right now. I'm teaching this series right now because um, I was in America in January, and I went to an incredible church. And it was a massive church, and there were things about the church that I didn't really get, but like the fact that 40% of the people in the church were carrying guns. Bizarre. I know. Can you imagine Thomas Dean leading worship with a gun in the back pocket? <laughs> it's dangerous enough, but you know, you know all, was, that was a bit weird, I have to say, but... Uh, What I loved about the church was the story of the church. It was a huge church, something like 36,000 people in the church. And they had a huge, huge budget, but they gave masses of it away. And God kept pouring stuff in and they kept planting new things. And I listened to the story of the pastor. The story of the pastor is this about 15 years ago, he was just starting out in ministry. And he used to go to different churches and and preach. He didn't have a salary. He just went and preached, and they gave him whatever they wanted to give him. It was a love offering kind of deal. And he knew that on this one occasion, he only had one church to preach at in that month. And so he went to that church, and it was a tiny little church, and he thought, I'm not going to get much from this church. And he preached, and they gave him this love offering. And the guy who was giving it to him said, this is the most amount of money we've ever given anybody God just must have showed up and, and caused the spirit of generosity. And he gave him the check and he undid the check. And it was for exactly the amount of money that he would have to live on in that month. It was going to be incredible. And then the moment he that, does that check and goes, wow, God says to him, I want you to endorse that check and I want you to give it to the person four rows back because during the open mic session one of the guys four rows back had stood up and said that he was a missionary and he needed some resources and God said I want you to give it to that person there and the, and the pastor went there's no way and he had this kind of argument with the Holy Spirit it never goes well and, and eventually when he'd argue with the Holy Spirit he did exactly what the Holy Spirit had asked him to do and he endorsed the check and he gave it to the person feeling sick as a dog anyway he had no money And they took him out for a meal after the service. And an old guy sat opposite him. And before he even ordered anything, the old guy sitting opposite him says to him, how much did we give you tonight? Now, you have to remember, this is America, so that's acceptable. If that happened in Edinburgh, we'd go, "Mm, mind your own business. (laughs) Or something like that. But anyway, so we had this kind of conversation. He says, how much do we give you? And the car was a, bit, was a bit weird, but he told him how much. He said, where is the check? Can I see it? And the pastor says, I lied. This is the pastor. I lied. In that moment, I didn't tell the truth. I said, it's in the car. He'd just been speaking on Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. He said, it's, it's in the car, he said. The man in front of him said, Robert, it's not in the car, is it? It's not in the car. And this pastor, Robert, says, how do you know it's not in the car? He said, God told me. And he he also told me this. And he takes out of his pocket another check. And he gives him the check. And he says, before you open this check, it comes with a message from God. The message from God is this. I want to teach you about trusting and generosity. And I want you to teach it to the United States of America. And he um, he opens the check, and it was for exactly to the dime ten times the amount that he'd just given away. And the story of this man's life, and the story of his church, is that this man has been given like tens tens of, tens and twenties of cars. He's been given airplanes. He has been given houses. And he has given them away. So he's been given things and and he's been giving things away. And people have been blessed and he has been blessed and his life has been blessed. I tell you why. Because he sees everything as belonging to God and to be used for the glory of God. He sees his role to be absolutely obedient to what God says to him. And his church is the most generous church I've ever been part of. It's incredible. Here's the thing. It's not that that's an incredible story because you can say, well, you know, story, it's their story, it's America, it's, you know, whatever, it's a bit weird. They carry guns. The thing is this God spoke to my heart when I was out there. And He said, Carl, you've not really taught your guys about money. Are you embarrassed? And you're always looking for a workaround. The narrative that goes on in your head is that your church has grown and it's incredible, but it's full of young people and it's full of poor people, so therefore we have lots of people resources, not a lot of financial resources, and we're always looking for other people to sponsor our deal because God's given us an incredible vision. But you have everything you need for life and godliness. It's right out here now. We have been given everything we need. We just need to leverage what we've got God has given us resources of time and money and resources and he says, does it all belong to me? Are you gonna get really free with this stuff or are you gonna continue to be bound? See, if you decide to carry the financial burden of your life on your own for the rest of your life, it's gonna be very, very heavy and you're gonna be miserable. But if you recognize that God owns everything, then I can give you strategies to free your life up in a way that you will enjoy life, you will be blessed, and you will bless other people. So that's why we're doing a series on giving. Are you ready to do some hard work? Six of you. Excellent. Are you ready to do some hard work? Twelve of you. Let's go. So let's read Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. And then 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I'm going to be very direct tonight. I was pretty direct this morning. I'm feeling looser tonight. Okay, so we're just going to go for it. I'm going to tell you what I think the Bible says, and I'm going to deal, let you deal with it and respond to it in a very direct way, okay? Matthew's Gospel chapter 6. Jesus says, verse 19. Lost my glasses this week. This could be interesting. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there your heart will be also. Which is an interesting thing for Jesus to say, isn't it? Work that out. Where your treasure is there your heart will be also people are often saying to me things alike well i don't really feel passionate about homeless people or i'm not really you know i'm not really feeling the india thing let me tell you how you'll begin to feel passionate about homeless people and feel passionate about the india thing or any other thing you start investing your money there your heart will follow you know that's true don't you You know that if you took everything you own and put it into certain stocks and shares, your heart would follow it. You'd start to look at those things. You'd start to to be on the internet the whole time going, how are the stocks and shares going? Because your heart follows where your treasure is. Jesus says, put your money where you want your heart to be. He then goes on to say this, no one, verse 24, can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's pretty direct, isn't it? You cannot serve both God and money. You just need to work out which one you're going to serve. And some of you are sitting there thinking, do you know what? This is money. I, I, I don't really know about it. I've got student loans and student debts, and one day I'm going to work out the money thing because I'm going to get a proper job and leave home and not be dependent among my parents. Guys, you need to listen up more than anybody else. Because if you don't get this stuff nailed right here, right now, then it will be so much harder for you when you've already got a mortgage and two kids and you're paying for your children's education or whatever it is to actually get this sorted. I've seen so often people who don't nail this stuff now regret it later on because their life begins to go pear-shaped because they never got free. They just got bound with their finances. Let's take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to his son in the faith, to Timothy, a young guy. And he says this. I just want you to read verse 10. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Verse 17. Command those who are rich in the present world Not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who provides richly, who provides us with everything we need for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. Now listen really carefully. Paul says, having stuff is not wrong. Let's, let's not get off on that making money is not wrong if God's given you an ability to make money make a lot of it enjoy it, it's great But he says this, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. In other words, if you begin to love money, if you begin to stand the weight of your life on money, if you begin to worship money, which looks like thinking about money and what you're going to do with money a lot of the time, if you begin to focus on money, or even if you make money the security of your life, then not only are you a fool, but actually it is evil. That's what Jesus says. Which is a massive thing to say into our culture, isn't it? Let me connect this to the Matthew passage. Jesus mentions the word money here, but actually the Aramaic word is the word mammon. He says you can't love both God and mammon. And when I say mammon, some of you are thinking, oh, here he's going to religious language, weirdy, weirdy stuff. And, And others of you are thinking, well, John Milton wrote in Paradise Lost about the demon called Mammon. And some of you are really highly versed in uh, ancient Babylonian anthropology and you understand that there was a God called Mammon in Babylon and you're, you're away with the whole thing. But for most of us ordinary mortals, we need to understand what Mammon is. Mammon was a, a Babylonian God. It was the Babylonian God of money and things and possessions. And basically it was set up like this. That in Babylon, they got to a stage when they thought, we don't need God. What we need is ourselves. What we need is riches and competence and capacity. So we'll make a God called Mammon, who will encapsulate that and we will begin to worship him. And it's an ancient thought, but it's a present reality, isn't it? I mean, that's what we do, isn't it? We say we're post-God, we're beyond God, we don't need God, we'll just worship money. We'll worship stuff. We'll worship the people who have stuff. We'll model our lives around their lives because they must be the epitome of success. And Jesus sets up this spiritual thing. He says you can either worship the God that is God or he can worship the God called Mammon. There is a spirit called mammon, and there is God. And you get to choose for whom you're going to live your life. Now, listen carefully. Mammon is the spirit that rests on all money that is not submitted to God. In other words, every time you say, that's mine, that's ours, it's mine to do with what I want, that's mammon. It's all over it. It's my competence, it's my capacity, it's mine, I can handle it, I'm gonna do it, it's mammon. Whereas everything that is submitted to God and dedicated to him and used to serve him and not replace him is blessed by God. So you get to decide which way you're gonna apportion your trust and your wealth. Jesus just says you can't serve both. You either get to serve the God that is God or you get to serve the God that is money. And if you decide to serve the God that's money, it's going to bind you. Because you're going to be worried about it the whole time. You're going to be anxious about it the whole time. You're going to be restricted. You're not going to be able to serve God with your stuff. You're not going to be able to serve the kingdom of God. You're not going to be able to bless people because you're always doing this to the thing because you're serving the God of money. You've got to provide for your own security. You've got to provide for your own life. And God says, I want to free you from that stuff and that way of thinking. And this is huge. this is a huge discipleship issue. How are you going to live your life? Honestly, I I want to be a steward. I want to be called the steward. I want God to pour things into my life and more and more and more things into my life. I want my life to be a conduit and not this kind of fat vessel. I want this stuff to flow into my life, and I want to bless a whole bunch of people out the other side of it to the point where God blesses me more and more and more because he knows he can trust me. But, but the problem is, instead of becoming Carl the steward, I so often become Carl the stuff, or Carl the scrooge, or Carl the stuck, because I haven't dealt with this deal. And, so, and some of you are sitting there thinking, well, I don't really understand that. Well, let me, let me explain it. Some of you will be in one of those categories. Some of you would be Mr. or Master or Miss Scrooge. And we don't like to call it that, and I can't identify you. I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up or anything. But, but basically, you're saying, it's all my stuff. It's, it's up to me. I'll do what I want to do with it. I don't need to bless anybody else. It's between me and me and me and me. I made it. I earned it. I own it. I deserve it. It's mine. And that's okay, but you've just, you've just committed yourself to a God called Mammon. You said, oh God, I don't need you. I'm not interested in you. And others of you, well, you're not like that at all because you're quite generous, but, but what happens is you become Mr. and Mrs. or Mrs. Stuff. So you, you, you want to serve God and you want to commit to God, but what happens is you, you begin to get suffocated by mortgage payments and, 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 and new car debt and ebay and apple store and, and all this kind of stuff flows into your life and before you know it a little bit trickles out for good stuff but actually essentially it's all about you and the stuff that suffocates your life more and more and more stuff and you have to maintain it and some of you just just a mr and mrs stuck because you, you want to serve God, but what happens is that you find yourself in a difficult life situation, perhaps because of your background and you lose your job, and then you start taking on consumer debt, and consumer debt will kill you and kill people around you. And what happens is you then lose the job that you've got, and you can't pay it back, and it becomes impossible for you. And you get in this cycle of stuff, which means that you just can't cope anymore. And before you know it, you didn't mean it, but you gave in to the God of mammon, and you never asked God to help you with this stuff. You got stuck. But I think what you want, I guess probably what most of you want, if you want to be Mr. and Mrs. or family steward, you want to live your life like this and not like this. You want stuff to be poured into your life in such an incredible way. And and you can be trusted. And It's not that you don't get good stuff for yourself, but but the stuff just flows through. And when you see need, you meet that need. And when you see people that need blessed, you meet their need because you know that God wants to bless them. And and this stuff comes into your life and pours out of your life. And God sees that and goes, hey, they're stewards. Come on. Let's throw the resources of heaven at them because they can be trusted. I don't know what that means. But we'll do it again there's just more stuff that flows out of your life I am captivated by the thought how free could we really get if we began to live like this how many resources could be, could be released for the kingdom of God, which is love and joy and peace? How many people could be blessed? How many kids could be fostered? How many homeless people could find homes? How much of the, the culture around us could be completely flipped on its head if the people of God actually said, Hey, God owns everything. We own nothing. Could we not just say to God, here's a signal. You can bless us because you can trust us. How cool would that be? If we could live in a completely different way. How much debt could be dealt with? What a different way could we could we live? So here's the thing, I want you to concentrate really hard because I'm gonna I'm gonna go after some stuff and we're gonna try and break some stuff today. Is that all right? I, I want you to recognize that Mammon has two cousins. They're called prosperity and poverty. So Mammon has two cousins. They're called prosperity and poverty. And depending upon your experience of life, you will be predisposed to like one of those cousins. Prosperity or poverty? Let me explain prosperity. Prosperity or pride is have it, grab it, earn it, own it, deserve it, flaunt it, show it, live it, blow it. That's my best description. That's it. Okay. You know, you just, I deserve this. I earned it. Take a look at me. Aren't I doing well in life? Prosperity. Uh, Let me explain it further. So if you carry a spirit of prosperity when I see you driving a nice car and I would notice because I've got this thing about the leather seat car thing you know hot warm thing I would notice it and I would say hey dude because I'm still trying to be 23 (laughs) hey I wouldn't say dude because that's just that's so yesterday I'd say hey (laughs) nice car we're going to get this out. I say, nice car. And you say, oh, what this thing. Oh, I've got three of these. I'm doing so well. I got bonus at the end of the year. You should see my Maserati in the garage and my Harley Davidson next to my midlife crisis. <laughs> you should check that out. It's incredible. I'm doing so well. I'm so blessed. How are you doing? You know, the whole thing is pride and prosperity. And, 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 and it's and it, and it's It's ugly. And its mate is materialism. The only thing that matters is matter. What you have is what's important. Materialism takes you shopping. Materialism suffocates life in stuff because you've got so much stuff and you're trying to maintain it. Materialism thrives in comparison It spawns a whole industry of advertising. It it, it spawns MTV Cribs. It spawns a stuff magazine. It's the breeding ground of consumer debt. And actually, although it's quite funny, it's incredibly dangerous. The only antidote I know is to understand that God is a king. And he owns everything. And none of it is yours. And so, when someone says, hey, that's an incredible car, the the, the proper and rightful response is, thank you. It's God's. He gave it to me to enjoy. It's an incredible thing. Would you want to borrow it? Wow. Isn't that different? And, And things then flow in and flow out because you can be trusted. Prosperity. Prosperity sucks and it's evil. Because it demotes God and it promotes you. It was all me and I did it and I made it happen. And God goes, really? Let's see how that works out for you. Prosperity. Second cousin is, is, is a cousin called poverty. We'll spend some more time here because I think this is all over our nation. And it needs breaking. And I think it can be done. Poverty lives in the world of this is not for the likes of me. I don't deserve it. I shouldn't have it. I mustn't want it. Gosh, that was expensive. I will, I, I'll never amount to this. Poverty is hide it, miss out on it, deny it, lie about it. I don't know why I'm in this position, but I am. In the same situation, poverty, I say Nice car. And someone who carries a poverty spirit says something like, I got it real cheap, it was half-priced, in fact it was given to me, it belongs to my boss, it's not mine, and some of that's true. Can you identify with that? Poverty means that, that when someone says, that's a really nice pair of shoes, you say, yeah, I got it in the sale, half price. it wasn't very expensive. I wanna say to someone, I often, so often wanna say to people when I say that's really nice, and they say that, I long for the day someone says, Yeah, they were really expensive and I paid full price. And I go, Yes! We're breaking something. What's the big deal about you having to have everything half price and cheap because somehow that's incredibly noble? Who said that? Where did we get that? Its mate is called aestheticism. And this is so big. Because it gets cloaked in theological and spiritual language. The basic idea is this that if you're really going to be very, very holy, you've got to deny yourself to the point of being ridiculously poor. It's holy to be poor and to shun material possessions. In fact, if you really, really, really are on it, as far as God is concerned, you sell everything you have and you go and live in India or Africa or somewhere else where you can't possibly be affected by materialism because that's what holiness looks like. Actually, biblically, I think it's a piece of nonsense. And and actually, poverty is just as dangerous to your heart, your soul, and your life as prosperity. You see, if, if prosperity is demoting God so you can be promoted. Poverty is demoting God and demoting you as well. And nobody wins. It just completely sucks. You never step into the calling that God has for your life. You never become a steward. You never take the things that God has given you and use them to resource the kingdom of God. It's like an abdication of responsibility. And people say, well, people in the Bible didn't have a lot of stuff. Nonsense. Almost every major figure in the Bible who was used powerfully by God was rich. Check that out. Abraham was incredibly rich. Isaac was incredibly rich. Jacob was incredibly rich. David was rich. Solomon was rich. Even Peter, James, and John, when you begin to look at where they lived and how they lived, they were middle-class businessmen who were doing pretty well for themselves. But you say, well, Jesus never had a home. Jesus didn't have anywhere so he could lay his head and he was always talking about denying himself yeah, yes of course he was and he had a bias towards the poor totally he did and so should we but his whole ministry was financed by very rich women and many of his best mates listen Mary, Martha and Lazarus were rich guys Nicodemus was an incredibly rich guy. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich guy. Zacchaeus was a rich guy. Levi was a rich guy. All these guys were rich, and they had to leverage what they had and steward what they had and learn to use what they had. So the whole idea that if you're going to be a Christian, you can't make money and you can't spend money, you can't enjoy money, you can't be rich is actually not the case. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. Open it up, 1 Timothy chapter 6, Verse 17. He says this, rich people, he's addressing rich people, which means he's addressing you. And you say, I'm not rich. How am I rich? I'm a student, I haven't got rich. Let me tell you this. If you earn or begin to earn in your lifetime more than 28,000 pounds a year, you are in the top 1% and the rich list in this world. Mm. Suddenly we're all rich, or we're going to be rich. We're in the top one. Wow. 99% of people in this world earn less than most people earn in Britain. So he's addressing us. He says, don't put your hope in wealth, which is pretty obvious. But put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything we need for what? And because we've grown up in church, some of us, we know what the answer is going to be, for not having very much and for giving everything we have away to the poor. But that's not what he says. He says, for our enjoyment. No, 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 no. He's going to go on to say, so that you can bless people, so you can live well, so you can give people a whole bunch of things, so you can be this conduit where God gives you stuff and pours it through. But before that, he says, for your enjoyment. We've got to get over this whole thing that says you've got to live a miserable life and you should be guilty about what you have and you shouldn't spend stuff and you shouldn't buy nice things. No, no, God doesn't want that for your life at all. He wants you to have life in all its fullness. So have a holiday and have a good one. Buy a car and have one with the heaty seat thing. Get a dog and get a cool one. Buy some works of art and put them up and really enjoy them because God enjoys it and he would probably do the same thing. Get, get, get an expensive bottle of wine rather than a cheap bottle of wine and really enjoy it and get one for me as well have one of those really nice coffee machines that do the grindy thing, and don't buy one of the Nespresso machines which really isn't coffee, but get one of the things that's really, really good and enjoy it. It's not particularly holy to be miserable. And then when you've enjoyed your life, I'm really ranting today. (laughs) I had too much coffee from one of those grinding machine things. And when you've really enjoyed your life, then, then be a conduit of the blessing of God and serve the kingdom of God and pour everything into the life of God. Because he owns everything. But you are never going to be able to resource the kingdom of God until you break a poverty spirit that says God is not for you, he's against you, he wants to give you hard times. The only antidote I know to the poverty spirit that believes the lies, that says you'll never amount to anything, that suffocates the dreams that God has placed in your heart, that boxes you in, is to recognize that although the greatest occupation in all the world is to be a steward of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, that's the greatest occupation. The greatest identity in all the world is to be a son and daughter of a heavenly father who says, I think you're fantastic and I'm willing to underwrite your life. That changes everything. And if you can take that, that, that you're a steward of the king and you're a son and daughter of the father and you can bring those two things together, you will be able to be a conduit of the blessing of God. But you gotta get it. So, so you say, Car, but how do we get free? I mean, that's all theoretical stuff, that's amorphous stuff, and we talk about that and the philosophy and not, not carrying that cousin and not having that cousin, but, but getting, how do I actually get free? And please don't tell me you just trust God. Because, because I've grown up in church to know Proverbs 3, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight, and I've kind of got that down, but can you give me some practicalities? What am I supposed to do with my money? And I answer, yes, I can, because I prepare to talk on it. So what I want to do in the next, uh, next few minutes, just before we close, is I want to give you some very direct, practical advice about how to walk in the opposite spirit and how to break off the spirit of mammon so that you will be free. Listen up. First thing I, I want to say is that you- you're going to need a gratitude in your heart and an honesty in your mouth. The the, the primary thing that I have learned about walking in the opposite spirit of a spirit of mammon is that you begin to be grateful for what you have, and you begin to articulate it. So instead of whinging and moaning and complaining about what you don't have, you start saying to God, God, I am so grateful for all the things you placed in my life. It breaks something. It breaks something in your heart and it breaks something in the spirit all around you. When you begin to say, God, I am grateful for the air that I breathe and the food that I eat and the people that you brought into my life that bless me massively. I'm grateful for the job that you've given to me and the stuff that I have. And I'm not focusing on the stuff that I don't have. I'm just grateful for the things that I do have. It begins to break it because you don't start thinking about all the things that you want. You start thinking about all the things that you've got. And you say, God, do you know what? I am just so grateful. Gratefulness of heart. i tell you why. Because poverty and prosperity are always comparing with other people. And it goes no place good. But, but gratitude is always comparing with God. I am so grateful for what you've given. I don't deserve it, but you've given it anyway. Honesty of mouth. Almost everybody in this room at some stage in their life has lied about money. Wow, that's a statement. I've done it. How much did that holiday cost? I, that holiday you went on was incredible. How much did it cost? Oh, it was just about two grand. No, it was, and it was three and a half grand. You were just embarrassed about the whole thing, so you lied. It was a little white lie, but it was still a lie. I do it, I still do it. I need it broken off me, I'm going for ministry later. I buy something I shouldn't have bought with money that we don't have. And Nikki says, How much was that shirt you got from TK Maxx? I say, Oh, it's about 30 quid. It wasn't 30 quid it was 39.99 but i thought she'd never noticed the 9.99 because she doesn't check the still receipt and of course you've never done that because you're all holy but but why do we do it it's because we still carry the spirit of mammon the spirit of poverty around why don't we tell the truth to each other about our money why can't we talk about these things you know, the stuff that comes into the light no longer binds us, but when we keep things in the darkness, it binds us. Why do we do it? Do we do it because we're afraid what people will think? Why don't we break that off? I, I did a sermon about four years ago, and I said, look, I'm really, I really want to walk in a different way around this stuff, so I'm really happy with anybody in the congregation asking me what, do I, what I earn, what I own, what I owe, and what I give. Anyone can come ask me after the service, And I will tell you exactly those things, what I earn, what I owe, what I own, and what I give. And do you know what? In a congregation of about 500 people, I think it was three or four people only who came and asked me. And they came to me, and they said, well, come on then, tell us. And I said, I'm about to tell you, but I want you to know this is a reciprocal deal. (laughs) You ask me, I'm going to ask you. Do you know not one of them wanted to know what I earned. Isn't that crazy? What is it that keeps us in the darkness and in the shadows? It's because we give in to the spirit of mammon. So so I don't need to tell you right now all those things. In fact, Nikki and I had a conversation about whether I should. But I do need to have people in my life that I let know these things. And so do you. Because otherwise you'll never walk in a free way. You'll never have anyone saying you're being a muppet with those things. Please talk about these things. So you need a grateful heart and honesty in your mouth. And then you need a plan. Listen to this. Luke's gospel chapter 14. Jesus is writing. He's pretty good with money. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough to complete it? In other words, get a plan or it will go pear-shaped for you. And you may have a plan, and if you have a plan, that's brilliant. You don't have to listen too much to what I'm about to say. But if you have a plan that you think might be deficient, you might listen because this might be a better plan. And if you have no plan, this is an awesome plan. Okay, here goes. It's a a five-step plan, and I think it will change your life if you do this. Step number one, honor God with your first fruits and make him your financial advisor. We talked about it last week. If you really want to be free, if you want God to own everything in your life and you want to be a steward of his stuff, then the way to release your hands is to begin to tithe and give offerings. It's not God wanting payment. It's God saying, I know how to shift your hands and your heart. So bring 10%, bring it into the storehouse at least and then give on top of that and that will free you and release you. And you say, but I'm a student. I haven't got a lot of money and I have a student loan. Yeah, but you still buy beer. Coffees, food, and clothes. Well, well, who goes first? God or you? So just work it out and put God first. I don't know anybody that I know who loves God and honors God with their finances who isn't blessed. And I don't know one Christian who believes this stuff and doesn't do it who has a blessed financial life. I just don't. You want a plan? There's the plan. Get it right first. Work out what you're spending and bring your tithes into the storehouse and it will change your life. It's not because we need more money. We don't need your money. But you need your freedom. You need to stop breaking. Step number one. Step number two, get out of debt. Get out of debt as fast as you possibly can. Get out of debt because it will cripple you. It will disable you in living the kingdom of God. You won't be able to enjoy your life and you won't be able to bless other people. And you say, I can't get out of debt. I go into that vicious circle of stuff. I haven't got enough money and I've got into consumer debt and it's become ridiculous and there's no way I can do it and I'm feeling depressed about it. Well, speak to someone who can help you. Speak to CAP. We have this incredible ministry where, where, where people will help you, will take on the burden of your debt and help you get out of debt so you can be free. And we see people free all the time, debt-free, and beginning to trust God with their finances because they got involved in that ministry. And if you need some help, come and speak afterwards, and we will help you and get you in contact with Cap. Stop shopping. <laughs> Says the guy who loves shopping. I mean, seriously, I love shopping, but stop shopping. Shopping is nuts. If you need something, go buy something. If you want something... By all means, go buy it. God's not down on you wanting things. But the whole concept that you could spend your whole Saturday afternoon wandering around shops because you're so boring as a person, you have nothing else to do with your life, and you're going to have your heart moved to buy things you don't need with money you haven't got to replace stuff that's perfectly good enough already. I mean, it's nonsense. It's an invention of the last 50 years. Go play a sport. Go and spend time with your kids if you have kids. If you don't have kids, you can do, sp- you can do it with your dog or something like that. <laughs> go do something that's more interesting. Because it will damage your heart and damage your life. Why do we do these things? Get out of debt. Get out of debt as quickly as you possibly can. Wow. Step three, save some money. Proverbs 21, verse 20. Listen to this. I love this. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil. But a foolish man devours all he has. In other words, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man just has everything he gets. Why would you save money? Let me give you two reasons why you'd save money. Firstly, so you can buy a car without getting into more debt next time. That's why you'd save money. Secondly, because you really want to bless other people big, not small. By which I I, I mean this. Do you know, when, when Scott over there. I look at him and I think, God, that guy really needs a holiday. He works so hard for us. I want to bless him with a holiday. But if I'm looking in my back pocket, all I've got is 10 quid. That's not really going to help him get a holiday. But if I've been saving systematically over time because I want to bless people, suddenly I've got a couple of grand and I could say, Scott, go and have an incredible holiday. And when someone asks you about the holiday, you can say it only cost you a thousand. You can lie about it if you want. But the reality is this, I want to bless you big. How cool would that be? No one looks very excited. I'm very excited tonight. (laughs) Scott's excited. (laughs) See, honestly, how wonderful would that be if you know that you've saved particularly so you can bless people, and when you need to bless people in your highest mood, you can say, I can bless you significantly. Something that will be a game changer for you. That will change your life. Step four. Live off the rest. You say, but Carl, there's nothing left. (laughs) I've I've honored God with my first fruits. I've got out of debt. I've I've, I've saved some money so I can bless people. And and, and now you're telling me to live off the rest. Well, here's the thing. God kind of knows what you need. And God is kind of the world's expert with the rest. And he is more than able to provide exactly what you need and abundantly more than you need if you really trust him with your stuff. Test him in this and see if it's not true. Step five, and this is really, really important before you switch off. Step five, review annually at least and every time you get a big change, a big promotion or a big dollop of money, this whole process and look to increase each of these sections but in that order by which i mean you don't go wow i just doubled my income i'm going to have a bigger better standard of living You go, I've just doubled my income, I've just been blessed, I've just had a big pay rise, I'm going to go back through that list and I'm going to give more to God because because that's what he asks for. I'm going to get out of debt more, I'm going to save more so I can bless more people and then I'm going to live on the rest, which is bigger than it was before and because I trust God with leftovers, he's incredible. Check out what he did with five loaves and fishes, he can do immeasurably more for me. And the only question is this. Are you going to serve the God of money? Or are you going to serve the God who is God? Wow. Some of you go, well, that's all well and good, but I'm feeling very anxious now. Because it's going to be a whole mind shift and a change in the way in which I do finances. And Jesus knows that. And so he says when he goes on to teach, don't be anxious about anything. You don't need to be anxious about this thing. He says, why don't you check out the birds of the field and the lilies of the valley? I mean, the birds are beautiful and they're free and they have food. The lilies of the valley are clothed in beautiful clothes and they don't worry about where they're going to eat or what they're going to drink. And the Father cares for them, but how much more does he love you? The heavenly Father will give you everything you I could have told you a whole bunch of stories about what I do, what other people do, and we'll probably do that next week and we'll we'll talk next week about generosity and simplicity and community what it means to live in a radically different way. But if we don't get this right, then none of that's gonna flow. I've given you um, some cards on your seats. And it's a little card, it's a pledge card. And let let me tell you this very clearly so you hear this. I'm really, really not interested primarily in what you give or don't give to this church you know what I think and what I taught around you giving and it freeing you up and, and if this is your family this is the primary place that you do that but what I'm really interested in giving is this becoming something that helps you get free it's just a tool that God gives next week we'll take an offering and we'll take some of these things in If you've never thought about this, maybe you'd like to think and pray about it. No one will come knocking and no one will ring you. No one will say, Have you given or do you want to give or whatever it is. This is just an opportunity to say, Hey, here's a tool. But what I'm way more interested in is this that you begin to live your financial life in a way that exhibits freedom, that you stop serving prosperity or poverty. You don't bow the knee to that stuff and you don't say, I'm not going to live underneath that stuff. I want to live underneath a God who loves me and has good things for me. I'm a son and a daughter, and he's the king, and I'm the steward. Let me tell you what I think happens. A community of people get this, and they start living radical generosity and radical community, and it becomes deeply infectious. Because I'll tell you what happens. You posture yourself in this way. The God who owns everything starts to bless your life. And when he starts to bless your life, everyone around you starts to notice. And not only does it change your life, it starts to change culture. I'm going to shut up and I'm going to pray. Let's pray. Father, I I pray a wheat and chaff prayer. I I pray that that which was chaff and fleshy and of the preacher and just nonsense would be blown away on the wind so that it wouldn't affect us. And I pray that that which was of your heart to us to change and challenge and encourage our lives would sink deep and bug us until we act on it. Father, we would be free. We'd be free of other people's expectations. We'd be free of this culture's limitations. And we'd be free to live according to your purposes. So, Holy Spirit, would you come and bring freedom in this place? Freedom to make money, freedom to enjoy money, freedom to share money, freedom to not be restricted by resources freedom to use them for your kingdom, freedom to not feel guilty about the things that we have, freedom not to be affected by what anyone else thinks, freedom to serve your purposes. We will be free of mammon and live according to you. So Holy Spirit, would you come, and would you break things off? And would you bring a resolve of heart and mind to live differently? in lockstep with the creator of the universe. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's how we're going to play this. Uh, The band are going to come. We're going to spend some time just worshiping God. And uh, we're going to offer an opportunity. And it it really doesn't matter whether you've got all your financial stuff all lined up and you you know you need to adjust a few things or you've never started even thinking about a financial life. Because basically you're, you're here and you've got a student loan or whatever it is. But you know you want to get started and you want to get this right. I'm going to offer you an opportunity to be prayed for. We usually offer an opportunity to be prayed for if you want to come to faith for the first time. Or if you, you, you want to recommit yourself to Jesus or if you want a healing. But, but tonight I really want to uh, offer an opportunity for prayer around your finances. If you're in debt significantly and you want some help, we'd love to pray for you and then give you some help. If you have a lot of money and you don't know how to handle it, we want to pray for you and ask the Holy Spirit to come. We're definitely not going to give you any advice about how to handle it, okay? We're not going to counsel you. We're just going to pray, ask the Holy Spirit to come and give you wisdom. If you know that you've never really nailed this deal, never have, it's always been you know, your relationship with God over here and your relationship with money over here and we're not going to talk about the two things together. Then we would love to pray for you to get this thing right. And if you just know I, I want to be all in but I've not been all in, then we'd love to pray for you as well. Okay? So let's worship God. If you love prayer, you need to go over to my right-hand side. If, you, if, if, if there are so many of you, just come down the front and we'll just, we'll just pray for you. I suspect that almost everyone in this room has got some questions or or, or has some stuff you need to work out or needs to posture ourselves differently towards what God is saying. And that's okay. None of us us have got this sorted. So let's just respond to him. This is a safe place to hear a dangerous message that could change your life.